years ago. Now I'm on. I stood here exactly two years ago uh, to tell you about my personal experience with Bible study being offered here at Memorial and to encourage you to join one. Since that very first Bible study, I've attended one each time one was offered, and uh, I've learned so much and grown so much in my faith. And I'm here today to tell you about the Bible study that starts tonight. It's the only one being offered this semester, this term, and it's a great one. It's called the Truth Project. Some of you may have heard about it. Some of you may have attended a Truth Project session in the past. Um, it's put together by Focus on the Family, and it's a systematic and comprehensive biblical worldview study that looks at all of life. It lasts 12 weeks, and it will equip you to make a Christ-centered difference on culture by applying God's principles in your daily life. So what does worldview mean? It, the, the definition in the dictionary, it refers to the framework of ideas and beliefs through which an individual group or culture interprets the world and interacts with it. What does it mean for us? How should we view God? How are we and who are we relative to him? And how does God want us to view those around us in this world? Um, there's a sad statistic that the Barna Research Group, uh, they did a study, only 9% of professing Christians have a biblical worldview. And because of this, today's believers live very similarly to non-believers. Um, there's rarely a sense of personal significance and we spend our money and time on things that fail to satisfy. And we begin to wonder what life's ultimate purpose really is. We're losing our bearings as a people and as a nation. And I'm sure you've experienced this. It's kind of like a trickle down effect slowly and gradually. The TV shows have changed. At home, we watch reruns of Little House on the Prairie. And I'm amazed every time they, they open the Bible, every single time they read scripture, they talk about God. And uh, I don't think there are any shows nowadays that do that. Maybe Duck Dynasty. They have a little prayer at the end. <laughs> but that's about it. I mean, you don't see the Bible being opened. And now, instead, we're shown images of pregnant teenagers, unwed couples, and we're asked to embrace this as the new normal. And I don't know if you know that TV show, but to quote from the, I haven't seen it, but to quote from the website of that TV show, these days, families come in all forms, single dads, double moms, sperm donors, egg donors, one night stand donors. It's 2012, anything goes. And that's the intro. This study looks at our world and at our belief systems. It's 12 modules. The good news is there's no homework. I know that'll appeal to a lot of you. There is no homework. You just have to show up on Sunday nights for an hour and a half. Um, and those of us who have children, it coincides perfectly with the children, so you gotta come anyway to drop them off. Might as well stay. Um, some of the titles of the modules. What is truth? Who is God? What is history? What is my role? Am I alone? Um, one of the guest speakers in that series says, as long as Christians restrict their Christianity to a religion, a faith that is compartmentalized and isolated from life, they can have revival, but never ever reformation. And we need to hear and do the word of God in all of our lives, not just here Sunday at nine o'clock or at 11 o'clock. Uh, I don't wanna get political, but some things must be stated and we must not bury our heads in the sand and pretend this is not happening. Here are just a few headlines from the news that I just pulled out. One, Daughters of the American Revolution, whose motto is God, Home, and Country, have removed references to God and Christianity from their official books. Two, officials at a North Carolina elementary school forced a first grader to remove references to God from a poem 
she had written to honor her grandfather, who was a veteran. Three, NBC removed the words, under God, from the Pledge of Allegiance in a piece aired on TV. You all know the Christmas carol, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. The original song had the line, through the years we all will be together if the Lord allows. And that was changed with, if the fates allow, to remove religious reference when the song was released. Um, last, at home, we've been listening to a Christmas album by the Casting Crowns that's absolutely beautiful. And one of their songs is called While You Were Sleeping. And it hit me to the core. I just, I'm going to end with just a few of the lyrics. Oh, little town of Jerusalem looks like another silent night. The father gave his only son the way, the truth, the life had come, but there was no room for him in the world he came to save. Jerusalem, what you have missed while you were sleeping, the savior of the world is dying on your cross today. Jerusalem, you will go down in history as a city with no room for its king while you were sleeping, while you were sleeping. United States of America looks like another silent night as we are sung to sleep by philosophies that save the trees and kill the children. And while we're lying in the dark, there's a shout heard across the eastern sky, for the bridegroom has returned and has carried his bride away in the night. Throughout history, God has used ordinary men and women to make a difference in our world. I'm often at a loss for what my role is in God's plan, what I could possibly do to spread the good news. Well. As a person in my last Bible study stated, the first step might be being able to articulate in a powerful but precise way what you believe and why you believe it. And being able to state what your worldview is and why it is based on the truth of the Bible. If your heart is heavy from what you see daily in our culture, I ask you to prayerfully consider joining the Bible study. Thank you. Uh, a few more announcements. The, uh, the youth and the uh, future confirmands, which is a part of the youth and the kids programs are all going on. And if you're involved in any of those, you might want to glance at the bulletin and see what, what's coming up tonight and this week. The trustees have a meeting this Tuesday night at 7 o'clock in the Wesley Davenport class. Uh, there is some openings on the flower calendar. And if you are of a mind where you'd like to uh, Remember somebody through giving of flowers. Uh, you're encouraged to take a look at that flower calendar. Uh, we are updating the pictorial directories and trying to capture email addresses and cell phone numbers. If you haven't given yours, uh, please try to find those sheets in the back and, and provide yours if you choose to have the church communicate with you in that way. And the last thing is, if you've been involved in a work in a uh, committee or have been assigned to a committee or volunteered for a committee and never been on that kind of committee before, there's some training going on downtown at the uh, uh, Buncombe Street United Methodist in the bulletin. It refers to the training that can help you with serving on those uh, committees. Uh, let us now begin our worship. Uh,
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Everlasting God, you brought the people to your light and to the brightness of your rising. Fill the world with your glory and show yourself to all the nations. In him who is the true light and the bright morning star, even Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. historic affirmation of faith found on page 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and stood at the right hand I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Come forward again to lead us in the children's sermon. <coughs> 
Good morning, everyone. How was your, have you gone back to school? No, some of you, you have not. <laughs> okay, well, for those of you who have, how was the first day back? Was it easy or hard or hard? Was it hard getting up? Or was it hard sitting still the whole day? Yeah, I bet it was. Um, do you know what today's date is? The 6th, and you know what today is called? Yes, Epiphany. And you think so? We're not going to have any snow? Yeah. yeah, I hope we have some snow. Yeah, no. I know, it isn't cold enough. We've just had rain. Yes, they do. They've had a lot of snow. Epiphany. I was here exactly the same Sunday last year. Do any of you remember what I brought? No. Yeah. What was it? Yes, it was one of those uh, king's cake in France. They bake this galette des rois, and in it they have a little baby Jesus, and whoever bites on it or has it in their piece gets to be king or queen for a day. Um, so that was one way that they, that's their tradition uh, to do that. But the word epiphany means to show or to make known or to reveal. And uh, we remember the coming of the wise men bringing the gifts to visit the Christ child. You don't remember that? Um, anyway, today I want to talk to you more about those kings, those magi from the east. Who were they and where did they come from? Wise men, that was the name given to people who were wise. They were sometimes priests and they were like our modern day scientists. Um, they studied, they devoted themselves to studying the physical sciences. They were trying to figure out the world and uh, how it works, how God made it. And um, back then they studied the stars and the planets. It was called astrology, or astronomy, I should say. And they had a great honor and influence, and they often lived in the courts of the kings. Before the time of Jesus, the Jews had been captured, and they were scattered all over Babylon. It was a huge empire. So the knowledge of God had been scattered. It wasn't all fixed in one spot. And the wise men in our scripture passage that um, I guess you're going to read later in Matthew were people who were seeking after the truth. God allowed himself to be discovered by these people. They had found and they believed the prophecies that were in the Old Testament, and so they knew a Messiah was coming. And they were divinely guided by the star to baby Jesus in Bethlehem. Most likely they were Gentiles. What does that mean? They weren't Jewish. Most likely they were Gentiles. They probably did not look like Jesus. They may have had a different skin color. The place they came from did not share the same religion, the same language, the same habits. And uh, in Matthew, we read that the wise men were the first to appreciate the coming of Christ. And in Luke, we read about the shepherds. And so, I don't think so. We read about the shepherds. And I think it's so interesting that Jesus came to shepherds who were kind of uneducated, simple, plain people. So he came to them, and he came to the wise men, who were very educated and a completely different lifestyle than the shepherds. Uh, and they came from far away, and they looked different. They were foreigners. So he appeared, he revealed himself first to those two people, not to the Jews who were his people. Um, 
And nowadays, some people still think that religion is either for the magi, the really wise people, the scholarly, because it's too complicated, and other people say it's only for the plain people who are kind of ignorant and superstitious. But the Christmas story tells us that both the wise and the humble people are called to discipleship, because God is everywhere, and he's here for all of us, no matter where we come from, no matter what our job is or, or what we do. I'll close with a verse from Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Let's close with a prayer. Please repeat after me. God, these people came to you asking you to reveal yourself to them. We ask you to please help us to discover you and seek you in our school and in the work that we do. Amen. through 6. Chapters 40 through 66 of Isaiah are filled with consolation and hope as the prophet Isaiah unfolds God's promise of future blessings through his Messiah. Listen to the words of Isaiah now from chapter 60 verses 1 through 6 as he tells of the future glory for Jerusalem. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you, your sons from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God.
Three great kings who journeyed from afar, led on their journey by an eastern star. Oh, here of three great kings, all wise and learned men, who bowed their knees to Christ at journey's end. Is second page of the bulletin, there's a list of people under prayers and concerns, and I would ask you to glance at that list, and I would ask you if you can connect your heart 
with anybody on that list. I know that I can. I'd also like you to help remember right below that the uh, Wayne Reeves and his family in their, their uh, week of loss. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this place. We are so thankful for creation. We are so thankful for all the gifts that you give us every day, even though most are not deserved. We are thankful for those that are here for this hour of worship, and we're thoughtful about those who are not with us that are sick, those who are victims of loss, victims of disaster, victims of failing health. And Lord, we ask you to be with them, give them comfort, give them peace, and where it is your will, give them healing. We pray for those that are fighting overseas for our freedoms to worship. We thank you for this place of worship. We thank you for sending a pastor that can make our, our lives better, and we pray that he'll have a safe return. We pray for all those who are out in the streets wondering what's missing, as we know it must be you. We pray that somehow we can touch their lives and that you can also continue to touch ours. Be with us, Lord, as we pray the prayer that your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The land is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I would ask our ushers to please come forward and accept this morning's gifts and offerings.
Well, this is it. This is the end. The end of the Christmas season. I'm 57 now, and I'm reflecting on how few of them I have left. I hope you all had a good Christmas season, but this really is the 12th and final day of Christmas time. It's intended to be a day of Christian celebration. It is Epiphany Sunday. Now, a few Sundays ago, <coughs> Pastor Joseph encouraged us to literally jump for joy that Christ was born. To jump like we jump when our football team makes a really great play. So here we are today, celebrating Epiphany Sunday, and yet, when I look out, I don't see what you describe as celebration going on. Thank you, Bronis. Thank you, Bronis. <coughs> Most of us hear the word epiphany and we think, huh? Yeah, I sort of, kind of know what it means. It's not a word that we use around the Lewis house or in my place of work. But an epiphany is the appearance of a deity. An epiphany is a sudden insight into something that you get the meaning of. Something that you didn't previously get the meaning of. And how many of us have had that time when we're studying for something in school or something in the Bible when all of a sudden you just click and think, I get it. It wasn't clear to me before, but now I get it. The word epiphany by itself doesn't really do its meaning justice. The word epiphany should have an exclamation mark after it, and it should be spoken more like this, epiphany. But it isn't. Today's scripture lesson tells us the story of Epiphany. It comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from them 
the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, about these wise men. They came east to Jerusalem. Now, east is undefined, but it's thought to be either Iraq or Iran. So if we imagine the closer of the two, it was Iraq. So they came over 500 miles by camelback across a desert. Even today, there are no towns between Jerusalem and Iraq. These men had to be well-to-do and respected they had to have the wealth to travel a long way. They could both own and protect expensive materials that they intended to give as gifts. They had enough to eat to make a trip that had to take over 25 days at camel caravan speeds. They were not Jewish. They were astronomers who studied the stars, so they knew when something changed in the sky. They looked up one night, and they had an epiphany. Something major was happening and demanded a change in their schedules. Now, we know what that's like. When a relative is taken to the hospital or dies, Everything in our schedule changes so that we can tend to the loved ones. When a car breaks down or a disaster strikes, other plans, no matter how important they are, become less important. Obviously, this new star in the sky changed the schedules of these wise men from the east. The path from Iraq to Israel goes through Jerusalem. So, because they were wise, they checked in with the king and told him why they were there. The king was a bit of a nut. He was paranoid about losing power. He was always wanting to count the number of men in his kingdom. Remember the census in the Christmas story? He was fearful of being replaced by the newborn king of the Jews. 
It's written in the Old Testament of Micah. So the priests and the scholars knew where the Messiah was to be born. The wise men were then sent another five miles down the road to Bethlehem. Herod says, let me know when you find him so I can go worship and kill him too. The wise men find Jesus. They bow, they worship, they give Mary the gifts, they defy the king, and they avoid going back on their way home. Avoid him going back on their way home. Afterwards, not in our scripture today, the king gets so worried that he orders all baby boys under age two to be put to death. Whoa. Satan was at work then in Herod, and he is still making the news today. So let's compare us with the wise men. We are relatively wealthy. We are living and worshiping in heated and cooled space. We drive cars and travel around wherever we want to go without the worry of our security or without worrying about running out of food or fuel. We sometimes question or ignore what the government tells us we must do, for example, road signs. We are not Jewish. We've shown a willingness in the past month to give gifts to other people, and in fact, in some cases, have taken those gifts or sent those gifts a long distance. We have guiding stars. We have a guiding star through the Bible. We have a guiding star who stands right here every Sunday. We have guiding stars who sit right there every Sunday. We have family members who act as guiding stars, sometimes their parents and sometimes their children. We have friends who act as guiding stars, and all of them are in an attempt to connect us with the Holy Spirit. We are called to take an unexpected long journey down the path of righteousness and through a narrow gate that leads to life eternal. We are, in many ways, just like the wise men. Will we have an epiphany in 2013? Will we understand God's word and purpose for us more clearly? Will our schedules be affected by our new understanding? Will we take the first steps in a journey to destination worship? The epiphany, the revealing of a deity, and the understanding of the wise men is what this story is all about.
Jesus was revealed to the Gentiles, that is, non-Jews, for the first time in this story. These non-Jews went to a place that was mostly Jewish to see a baby prophesied by the Jews as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And it's important that we understand that God's gift to the world was revealed in this story. It is significant that God's promise to the Jews was fulfilled to the benefit of all people, not just the Jews. It is also ironic and sad that the Jews never had the epiphany and still don't get it today. It's also important to realize why the wise men were drawn to the Christ child. Though they had wealth and health and safety and wisdom, there was something missing in their lives. Something missing that they wanted to find. They weren't sure what it was or where it was, but they knew something was calling them into action. They saw a star that was unfamiliar, and they were guys that studied the stars. They wanted to believe in something. They wanted to give something of themselves. They wanted to be in worship. And they saw a star, and they went for it. Many people have something missing in their life. Some in this room probably feel like there's something missing in their life. They just can't put their finger on what it is. They're seeking that oh-so-elusive happiness. But they aren't sure how to find it. There's just something missing. They need a moment of clear understanding. They need the deity of Jesus to be revealed to them. They need an epiphany. They need Jesus to change their schedule. And they need to begin this new year with a journey to worship the newborn king who is Jesus. I get it. Epiphany. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God Almighty, we thank you for the story of the wise men and for the epiphany that is Jesus the something missing in the lives of many people. We pray that Jesus will be revealed to all who seek that something missing. Help us to take the first steps in a new journey in this new year where worship is our destination. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 185.
Behold. 